0: I would like to talk a little bit about uh, mental proliferation and uh, silence. Um, What is called in uh, the uh, classical Buddhist tradition Papancha in Pali and Prapancha in Sanskrit is usually translated as emotional conceptual proliferation. And uh, it has a very central role in the understanding of the Dharma and in the practice of the Dharma. I want to uh, quote from uh, the Buddha himself in a passage, there is this passage where he says, what one perceives, one thinks, then one starts proliferating about, one, about what one has thought. And because of these concepts and images attack him from all sides Yes, it sounds familiar <clears throat> on the other hand uh the man the woman who is realized the, the realized one is described as someone who rejoices and delights in the state or in the field of non-proliferation Uh, a condition uh, in which papancha, in which the proliferation uh, has uh, evaporated, where where there is freedom from papancha. The original meaning of papancha is unfolding, is this movement from uh, the hand in this uh, position to the hand in this position, the constant unfolding, constant uh, proliferation of uh, Our mind. You know this is um, um, reflected on and uh, in all uh, Buddhist schools and traditions so we just can uh, pick up a few examples and then uh, go into some reflections from the practice. Like later in the Buddhist tradition in a famous uh, scripture uh, about the Yamaka Karika, it would be said that those who conceptualize those who cover the Buddha with concepts will never reach Buddhahood, will never reach Buddha-nature, the ultimate, the ultimate nature. Uh, again, in Japan, in the 18th century, Master Menzan, <coughs> in uh, the spiritual lineage of Dogen, describes, uh, I don't know Japanese, but the, the, the word is joshiki, uh, which is translated as emotion-thought. And emotion thought is the root of delusion. Joshiki is the root of delusion. The original mind, the original state, the innocent state, is a state where uh, Joshiki where uh, thought uh, emotion is not there anymore. And the spiritual practice is uh, a means, par excellence, uh, in order to overcome or dissolve emotion, thought. To, to, to reach a, a, a condition of freedom from proliferation, differentiation. is also a word which is used, um, emotion, collect, connected with emotion thoughts. Oh, uh, incidentally, when we hear uh, words like uh, freedom from emotions, we may have a, an ambivalent reaction to this to this thing Um, we uh, we may have uh, some fear fear of uh, a flattening of our life when when uh, an, an image of no emotions is evoked but it's important to understand that this is not this is not at all what happens through the practice what happens through the practice is a decrease of emotions and attachment to emotions, on the one hand. But on the other hand, it is an increase of sensitivity and, therefore, an increase in loving, kindness, compassion, in ethical sensitivity. But we often, in this culture, be a... I don't know, being always like this, I don't know. We equate emotions and sensitivity, which is not the case. Becoming more sensitive, becoming more transparent to what is of uh, value, to what is uh, beneficial, is is, uh, one of the most important fruits of the practice. Whereas being um, overwhelmed and blinded by emotions uh, is something which causes suffer- suffering, and uh, the practice wants to uh, go beyond this. So we should be maybe we should we should uh, 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 bear this in mind when we uh, face expressions like freedom from emotions uh, and, and 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 the like. So, can uh, we say that mental activity is the problem? Certainly not. Mental activity is not the problem. Many of you uh, may be familiar with the famous fire sermon of the Buddha, where basically he said the mind is not a problem, the senses are not the problem, the object of the senses and of the mind are not the problem the problem is our relationship is the relationship between the mind and its objects between the senses and their objects and this attachment is charged with uh, and this relationship is charged with attachment aversion and ignorance so the problem is in the relationship is not uh, in the mind or in the objects of the mind The problem is not in the mental activity, but the problem lies in the fact that mental activity is impregnated with what is called chileses, toxins, attachment, fear, aversion, ignorance. This uh, uh, is uh, the important uh, theme uh, in, 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 in considering proliferation, in considering and reflecting on papancha, uh, so what happens is that um, the aggregates, which uh, make up our mind and, and body, are called aggregates of attachment (upadana kanda). In other words, our mental activity is so much impregnated by uh, the afflictions, by the kilesa, by the kilesas, that um, it is. Kilesas, attachment. Attachment is just one word which uh, uh, includes all the kilesas in the uh, classical Buddhist tradition. That the the entire mental activity has that attachment at its main and fundamental mark. But what happens uh, through practicing the Dharma, practicing the paramis, practicing meditation? What happens is that uh, a gradual purification uh, takes place so that the candas, the aggregates uh, become purer and purer and in the end, their name uh, is uh, uh, different. They, they, they have a new name. They're now called uh, Visuddha Kanda, which means pure aggregates no more aggregates of attachment, no more a mind of attachment, but uh, a pure mind. In other words, a mind which instead of generating attachment and suffering now generates generates dharma. We uh, could say uh, from mental confusion... We turn to the mind, turns to something which we might call enlightened creativity. We can just think of all the teachings of the Buddha or the teachings of uh, um, uh, so many great masters and teachers, where thinking and concepts are used in the service of the Dharma, in the service of what is good, in the service of truth, instead of. in the service of increasing confusion, attachment, pain. So the mind is there, and not only is uh, working and functioning, but it's functioning and working at its best in order to produce what is kusala, what is helpful, uh, uh, true, and beneficial. So the kandas, the, 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 the aggregates are essential, but. Uh, uh, their uh, quality uh, should change, and, and 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 this way, their functioning uh, becomes uh, creative in a positive sense. You might uh, remember a famous illustration that the Buddha gives of what a healed mind is like. Uh, He said in what is seen there is only what is seen in what is heard there is only what is heard and he repeats it for all six senses the mind being one of them. So this means no more proliferation, no more fabrication, no more additions, uh, concoctions, mental concoctions. It's just uh, pure being in the present. When Krishnamurti talks about thought, he talks about something very similar to mental proliferation. He says, thought is always old. Thought is never fresh. Thought is what enslaves us to time and memory. Going beyond thought is going into sensitivity. It's going into awareness. And and finally having the mind thinking in a, a creative, positive, sensitive way instead of being... And clogged by uh, the afflictions. If we look at this, at what we're talking about from the point of view of our practice, um, I think the first, one of the first things that we find out about proliferation is that we are extremely attached to it. That actually there is a fundamental attachment which is even uh, more fundamental and important than attachment to material things. A strong attachment to um, uh, emotions and thinking and to the proliferation uh, around emotions and thinking. Um, the the mind wants to be stimulated. The mind wants to be entertained constantly. And we are used to it. We have a powerful habituation to this. So much so that when some mental uh, stillness comes uh, we can be, um, we can feel threatened. We can, uh, we can get worried about this. Um, is as though you know, is when we are maybe um, totally, uh, totally I- immersed into a, a noisy uh, environment, and then maybe we go uh, into the mountains and uh, we feel scared. Because of the silence, because we are too much used to a constant um, um, background of noise, similar what happens in our minds, there is this constant habituation uh, to proliferation and um, interrupting uh, um, even 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 uh, uh, if proliferation just thins out, um, we can feel that something—that something is wrong. Because of this uh, deep habituation, the minds want something to chew on. Possible if ple- I- I- pleasant, if possible, but if not unpleasant, but something, anything. I think meditation retreat um, gives us ample opportunity to, to look into this, to the, to look into the power and the strength uh, of this um, proliferation. Sometimes we may be afraid uh, not so much of uh, silence or emptiness, we, we might be afraid of certain kinds of mental proliferations, like Gloomy, depressed uh, kind of proliferations, and maybe we try ways of uh, igniting a different kind of proliferation uh, where there 's more energy uh, it 's understandable it can be even a reasonable thing to do, but the the problem is that we remain we stay in the domain of, of proliferation we, we uh, we change furniture, we don't, we don't change anything else. And proliferation is still home, literally. It's the thing we, we, we are most uh, used to, we are most habituated to, and therefore it's home. Even when we, we uh, uh, hear um, things like uh, mental silence, I don't know. We might have the, the, the maybe a looming uh, fear in the background. We might think maybe of times where we were in maybe in tropical countries and it was so hot we could hardly think. <laughs> and uh, so we, we, that's mental silence. Uh, Or maybe we equate mental silence with, with only with altered states of consciousness, with ecstasy and the like. But a more spacious mind is a more silent mind. And this is what uh, is the work of the practice. A few points I think should be kept in mind. Point number one is is very simple, but not so simple in, in, in the development of it, and is that the more awareness there is, the less proliferation there is. The second point, you should remember, which is closely connected with this, uh, the first one, is that, as Larry was uh, um, saying the other night, awareness is non-conceptual. Awareness is non-verbal, is non-judging. is a different function from conceptualizing, imagining, uh, judging... You know, sometimes we use expressions like non-judging awareness, uh, non-conceptual awareness. This is correct, but it, there is also the danger that, uh, uh, that we think, well, if there is a non-judging awareness, maybe there is a judging awareness or uh, a conceptual awareness, uh, a proliferating awareness. Um, awareness is non-conceptual. Awareness is nonverbal. otherwise it's not awareness. Awareness is non-judging, otherwise it is not awareness. So this is uh, why the more awareness there is, the less proliferation there is. And this is why uh, awareness, mindfulness is the best cure. Uh, with regard to proliferation. Uh, A still, spacious, mirror-like presence has nothing to do with uh, the movement and the turmoil and the confusion of proliferation. So the more we taste of this stillness, of this mirror-like quality, the more we understand the suffering of the proliferation, and the more we want awareness, and we don't want proliferation. But this takes some time uh, in order to happen. Because usually at the beginning we love proliferation, unless it gets really obsessive. But unless it gets obsessive, we love it. But to the extent that we taste of a different dimension and to that extent, we start questioning proliferation. Up until that moment, we don't question it. Another point which is crucial is that proliferation, emotional concept of prol- proliferation, and self centeredness are closely very closely connected. Just a simple example can can show us suppose we over overhear someone who's talking, and maybe two or, or, or three words are about us and uh, and maybe it's not um, something having to do with a compliment or an insult. It's just generic words about me. Well, we can proliferate for a long time about those, about those two words, which were rather irrelevant, but were about me. <laughs> the same two words about something, so, so, someone, someone else, nothing. So there is a very strong uh, connection between self-centeredness and proliferation. And uh, again, a meditation retreat is unique in showing us this this uh, strong connection. It's important that we deepen our understanding of this connection because Say proliferation is suffering. I, my, is suffering. So we are learning about suffering, about fundamental source of suffering. There is no peace when there is proliferation. Again, we are very used to non-peace, and yet there is a yearning for peace. Otherwise, we won't be here. And the yearning for peace is a yearning which wants to go beyond proliferation. Again, uh, we can uh, think of uh, another example. Suppose there is some sort of uh, discomfort, physical uh, or mental, physical and mental. Uh, If we reflect on it, we see that there are at least two sources Uh, of proliferation when we are facing a discomfort the first source is aversion to it because we feel aversion to this discomfort, maybe even a small one aversion ignites proliferation it's uh, rather rare that we have a silent aversion for some discomfort we talk a lot with our minds, and it's you know, talking uh, impregnated with uh, uh, emotional conceptual proliferation. The, the tension, the contraction, the suffering uh, comes with this verbalization, this turmoil uh, of proliferation. So, this is one relatively obvious source of proliferation, the aversion to discomfort. I say relatively because unless there is some uh, meditation experience or mindfulness experience, usually uh, we don't know about this. We uh, lump together discomfort and aversion. Aren't they the same thing? No. One thing is discomfort and another thing is aversion. Aversion. And we can be in discomfort without aversion. It's a little miracle, but it's possible. <laughs> <laughs> but if we keep lumping together, aversion obviously uh, is, is uh, discomfort. Discomfort obviously is aversion. Then we, we, we never get a, a, a good understanding of this very basic issue. It, it, it is as though a, a part of us, at least, thought, uh, that attachment that, that, that what, is, what is pleasant is meant to generate attachment, and was it, uh, what is unpleasant is meant to generate aversion. I mean the function of pleasant things is generate attachment, and the function of unpleasant things is to generate aversion. You know, this is distorted thinking. Pleasant is pleasant. Unpleasant is unpleasant. Attachment and aversion are conditioned reaction that we have. The function of what is pleasant is to be pleasant. And then there is a a subtler source, uh, an important one, of proliferation, when we are facing uh, some discomfort. And uh, this source is relating to the discomfort as my discomfort, claiming, claiming the discomfort as something which is mine. And this also activates, generates uh, proliferating processes. Because we start comparing, we start judging. Um, We put it in time. How is it by comparison to the discomfort, the similar discomfort that I had in the past? And uh, so time, dimension, space, dimension, judging with uh, other people. Aversion. Aversion first source of proliferation and uh, uh, self-centeredness and relating uh, uh, with, with, with uh, mental states as uh, something which is mine. In, in, in inability uh, to see it as, as an impersonal process, which would free us of much proliferation. We were talking about the aggregates, the 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 but There are two aggregates which are very crucial in the uh, um, in the uh, <coughs> creation of proliferation. One is sanya, which is perception and memory, and the other one is sankara, which is active thinking and imagining. Uh, a great uh, living master, Mahabua, mm, Thai master very often uh, emphasize how important these two uh, factors are in, in creating mental suffering. Like, mm, sanya means um, a conclusion, a judgment, um, um, a, an image, a memory, and then sankara jumps in and means constructing, fabricating, concocting, uh, you know, a wealth of, of uh, images and uh, stories, And from there, new sannyas, new labels, new uh, conclusions, new judgments, and new sankaras, and and on and on. It's it's circular. Sannyas, sankara, sannyas, sankara, sannyas, sankara. Being impregnated with kilesas, with attachment and aversion and ignorance. So it's not functional in a, a spiritually creative way as it is when there is a profound, coherent, spiritual teaching, as we were saying. Now, without, without um, thinking of um, very high and lofty examples, um, which have a double edge, uh, on the one hand, they can be very inspiring, but on the other hand, we know the way we are. We can start thinking, ah, this is not possible for me, and things like that. It can be a discouraging, uh, inspiring and discouraging, right? But what we can see in people who've been meditating uh, uh, for quite a time uh, it, with regard to uh, some substantial change. Uh, uh, with regard to awareness, is that basically there's a turning point where awareness uh, begins to be stronger than proliferation. The power of awareness. Uh, uh, power, I think, is the right word. And uh, also the authority, not, not um, in a negative sense, but um, like authority of a great uh, master increases and the authority, the power of proliferation the controlling power of proliferation starts diminishing and this is a very crucial turning point so what may happen um, is that not necessarily in uh, in uh, the sitting practice, not necessarily in formal practice, we may have something which uh, could be called returning to silence. Maybe we are uh, sitting uh, outside somewhere, and we we see like uh, a, a swarm of thoughts subsiding and uh, and and silence taking over maybe it's a short short lived experience but it has has a very specific quality in the sense that it's very restful uh, rest from proliferation very peaceful it's different from wanting to be aware Uh, of course behind, behind it there is a lot of moments of wanting to be aware, but this is a uh, more spontaneous, maybe more spontaneous awareness. It has this quality. And then maybe we see again another swarm of thoughts uh, taking off from that silence, out of that silence. And that's also, there's some mysterious mysterious thing there because we feel that at one level silence and proliferation are two opposites but at, a, at another level are they because it, the feeling that we get in those moments is that it's as though uh, proliferation ends in silence and then proliferation again is born from from silence so aren't they relatives or in some kind But the important thing, I, in my personal uh, opinion, is that such moments are much more inspiring than many other things that we may have uh, read or listened to. Uh, they, they have a, an especially convincing quality. Uh, they provide an incredible fuel for our practice. You know, they, they, they point out to us, they show that there is somewhere inside this uh, possibility for peace, for uh, a, a solid peace, which brings an unexpected comfort, unexpected comfort. You know, the quality of it is so that uh, it startles us. And we feel supported. You know, dharma means support. And we experience a strong and unexpected support. And we feel grat- grateful to the practice because of this. And we feel motivated to deepen our practice. And proliferation becomes something which is workable, not a threat, period. Okay, this is more or less what I wanted to say. (laughs) Let's sit for a while.